It's September 23rd, 2022, and this is your DSR Daily Brief. I'm Grant Haver. And I'm Chris Kotnor. Our top stories today. Armenia and Azerbaijan have accused each other of breaking a fragile ceasefire agreement that had brought the worst fighting between the two ex-Soviet countries since 2020 to a close last week. In statements issued by their defense ministries this morning, each side accused the other of firing first in renewed clashes along their shared border overnight. Following two days of clashes that killed nearly 200 soldiers early last week, the two sides agreed to a ceasefire, brokered by Russia, to end hostilities, though the situation on the border has remained tense. We'll continue to follow this story closely. Russian men are attempting to leave the country to avoid a military call-up for the Ukraine war. The Kremlin says reports of fighting-age men fleeing are exaggerated, but on the border with Georgia, miles-long queues of vehicles have formed including men trying to escape the war. Some of those heading into the neighboring country have used bicycles to bypass lines of cars and evade a ban on crossing on foot. Georgia is one of the few neighboring countries that Russians can enter without needing to apply for a visa. Finland, which shares an 800-mile border with Russia, does require a visa for travel and also reported an increase in traffic overnight, but said it was not but said it was at a manageable level. Iranian President Ibrahim Raisi has said the death of a woman in police custody must be investigated after it sparked widespread protest. Masa Amini died hours after morality police arrested her for allegedly breaking headscarf rules. Her death has sparked the worst unrest in Iran in years, which has led to the deaths of an additional 17 people. Raisi accused Western nations of double standards, pointing to killings by police in the United Kingdom and the U.S. His shot back at the West came hours after the U.S. announced sanctions to be placed on Iranian morality police. The U.S. Treasury Department said the sanctions were for the abuse of Iranian women and the violation of protesters' rights. It's going to be interesting to see if and how this plays into the Biden administration's attempts to resuscitate the nuclear deal with Iran. No one is under any illusions that Iran is a positive force in the world, but how we handle that is a question. I think it's important that as the U.S. is working to reduce the threat Iran poses, that we never put our support for human rights and the people of Iran on the chopping block. So kudos to the Biden administration for sanctioning the morality police. Elsewhere, the European Commission on Thursday pledged to enforce judicial independence standards in Hungary through the EU's pandemic recovery funds, bowing to building pressure from inside its own ranks. The move came after a group of EU commissioners, echoing numerous MEPs and diplomats, pushed the Berlimont to go harder on Hungary over rule of law issues, according to officials with knowledge of the proceedings. The precipitating incident was the Commission's decision on Sunday to essentially offer Hungary a deal. If it could enact a list of corruption-combating reforms, 
Brussels wouldn't slash 7.5 billion euros of the country's regular EU funds as it was threatening to do. Left off the list of reforms, however, was judicial independence, a key concern for civil society groups that have warned Hungary is dangerously backsliding on democratic norms. Adding to the commissioner's voices were diplomats and MEPs who also fretted about the need for better safeguards for the judiciary. It seems quite obvious, said a Western European diplomat, that this is essential to assure anti-corruption, but is glaringly left out here. The 14 directors on the board of the Inter-American Development Bank have voted unanimously to recommend firing President Mauricio Claver Caron, sources said yesterday. The move comes after an independent investigation confirmed misconduct allegations against Claver Caron, who was nominated for the job in 2020 by then U.S. President Donald Trump. An independent probe was set up against Claver Caron after a complaint after a complaint that he allegedly had an intimate relationship with an employee in violation of the bank's rules. The investigation found that he had favored this top aide with whom he had a romantic relationship. The Claver-Caron affair comes as the World Bank president is also under pressure to resign after he failed to state that he accepts the scientific consensus on climate change. On September 16th, an 18-year-old Rohingya boy was killed and five others injured when mortar shells fired from Myanmar fell and exploded in the no-man's land near the border. Around 4,000 Rohingyas are reported to be living in this area. Shells have been landing on the Bangladeshi side of the border over the past few weeks, and so far Bangladesh's response has been rather mild. Soon after the death of the Rohingya teenager in the shelling, Bangladesh's foreign ministry summoned Myanmar's ambassador to Dhaka to protest against the shelling and the violation of Bangladesh's airspace. Myanmar's ambassador blamed the Iraqan army for firing shells and bullets into the Bangladeshi side of the border. He avoided taking questions from the Bangladeshi media. UN-backed investigators said yesterday they have turned up evidence of war crimes and crimes against humanity by Ethiopian government forces, Tigrayan forces, and Eritrea's military, including rape, murder, and pillage over the nearly two-year war centering on Ethiopia's northern Tigray region. The Commission of Inquiry on Ethiopia which is working under a mandate from the UN Human Rights Council, attributed a litany of war crimes on all sides, but said the government forces of Ethiopia had also resorted to starvation of civilians as a tool of war. It also said both Ethiopian and Eritrean forces were found to be responsible for sexual slavery, while Tigrayan forces were not. The Ethiopian government has rejected the report because it believed the team exceeded its mandate. In lighter news, a woman who brought a wild raccoon into a North Dakota bar, which prompted state health officials to issue a warning about potential rabies exposure, is facing criminal charges. Aaron Christensen of Matic is charged with misdemeanor counts of providing false information to law enforcement, tampering with physical evidence, and unlawful possession of fur bearers. 
Christensen was arrested last week after authorities found her and the raccoon by serving several search warrants in and around Maddock. Christensen said her family found the raccoon on the side of the road about three months ago and named it Rocky. She said they were nursing the animal back to health with plans to release it back into the wild. It's illegal under North Dakota Board of Animal Health laws to keep a wild raccoon. Authorities euthanized the animal, and it tested negative for rabies. This arrest will not change the North Dakota bar special, Moose Drink Free, every Tuesday night. That's all the news we have for you this week. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so that more people can find the show. If you have a tip, topic, or correction you'd like to flag for us, please email us at podcasts at thedsrnetwork.com. Members of the DSR Network will receive an evening newsletter version of the DSR Daily Brief and bonus weekend briefs. This weekend, we'll be talking with Angela Stent, author of Putin's World, about the latest news coming from Russia. If you're a DSR member, head over to the Slack to send us your questions. If you aren't a member, go to the DSRnetwork.com and become a member to make sure you never miss any of our analysis. If you want more in-depth discussion of these issues, be sure to follow the links in the show notes to read our sources and tune into our sister podcasts on the DSR Network. Stay safe and stay tuned to the DSR Daily Brief. <laughs>